Welcome to Explore Talks. This podcast is hosted by Explore Life Science, part of Source Group International. This show is dedicated to showcasing success stories of exceptional careers and personal journeys in and around the life science space. Thank you for tuning in today. This is our first episode of the Women Who Lead post-COVID series. We are interviewing leaders across the industry and hearing their professional journeys and how we are navigating the impact of COVID-19 through science, innovation and collaboration. Life sciences have seen significant growth in the last two years and the industry finds itself in a position of relative strength. Because of this, we are seeing shifts across leadership to help drive continued growth for the long term. My name is Rebecca Lord of Fletcher, and I'm the Head of Marketing at Source Group International. And joining me is... Ian McCulley, Associate Director at Explore Life Science. And I'm really excited to announce our first guest today. Welcome to Explore Talks, Tanya Thomas, VP of Medical and Regulatory Affairs at Opium Pharmaceuticals. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Absolutely. Um, For those that don't know, the Explore team were fortunate enough to have Tanya as a guest on our first podcast series, um, which if you haven't heard, please do go and check it out. Um, We had eight incredible guests, um, of which you were one of the first, um, Tanya. And as I say, it's obviously great to have you back again. Yeah, that podcast series was such a huge milestone for me and my career. Honestly, it was my first step in gaining confidence to owning my career. So I can only thank you for that. Brilliant. Oh, great to hear. I actually, re- I really enjoyed that episode too. The risks of relocating and your chances for success. So Tanya, today, and of course the advice you would give those listening about overcoming personal hurdles and boundaries in order to succeed. So without further ado, on our previous episode and when we previous met, you obviously told us a bit a bit about your career journey, but could you take us through um, your current position and where you are now? Yep, sure. So, as you know, I'm a pharmacist and I've been working in the pharmaceutical industry for over 20 years now, um, mostly in regulatory affairs. And 15 of those years have been in big pharma. So, the last time we spoke, I believe I was still at GSK. And um, during the pandemic, like many other people, I decided to make a move to leave the security of Big Pharma and try something a little riskier in joining a biotech company. Um, So I joined Opient as the head of regulatory affairs and medical affairs about a year ago now. And Opient is a small biotech company who are focused on addiction. So we're focused on creating best in class medicines to treat addiction and drug overdose. And at the moment, as you know, there is a significant public health crisis in the US with opioid addiction. So I'm really appreciative that I can get to to help, you know, for such a public health crisis. And it's it's really been incredible as well to join a company which is very mission-based. And I get to work with very passionate people in a you know in the addiction space and subject matter experts but i also get to uh, lead and build the functions that i'm leading so i get to also put a little bit of myself in this company because it's you know we're getting ready to launch so it has been a fantastic opportunity and a fantastic risk <laughs> that i that i took 
it definitely sounds it. It sounds, um, as you say, a, a brilliant opportunity. But I guess it, it, it must have presented um, some some challenges for you. I guess moving from big pharma to uh, to, to opium. So how have you found it, and, and what would you say are perhaps some of the bigger challenges that that you faced? Yeah, and thank you so much for asking this question, because when I was thinking about the move from big pharma to biotech, I was literally searching LinkedIn to find someone who'd made this move and to just get some advice on on what it's like, and especially as a woman, um, because these spaces are usually male dominated. So I thought to myself, if I do well, I'm going to do something like a podcast to talk about this. So thank you for the question. Um, I think, I mean, the, the obvious fact is that Big Pharma is more structured, right? And so when you're an employee there, you have very clear objectives and a very clear career path. And that's both positive and negative because you can't stray a lot from there. So if you do really well, you know, you can't stray a lot in terms of um, have huge, you know, recognition or whereas in a smaller company, you have way more opportunity, opportunity to build. Um, You know, as I said, I've been building my teams, the processes, the governance, uh, in regulatory and medical affairs. So first thing I'd say for anyone thinking about the move, if you're used to leading large teams and leading mm. leaders, which you usually are in, in big pharma, and then suddenly you find yourself being a team of one, you need to actually be comfortable with doing the work um, because you're going to be the one doing the work. And I see many people struggle with that in joining a small company because um, the idea of it and the title and the promotion sounds amazing. But when you're actually there and you're the one doing all the work, it's a different story. You know, your reality is different. And I think the best way around it is to just accept it and actually sit in that, you know, and do the hard work. And then on the other side of the coin, the challenge, and this is the challenge that I've been working on myself, is that because there's a lot of work to do in a small company, because you you have less resources, um, you can get caught up in only doing the work. And if you're not very conscious about finding opportunities to display your leadership, you can actually get pigeonholed into just being the person that does the, the work. And so the struggle is really, how do I find the opportunities to display my leadership? Or how do I get time to dis- display my leadership? And and so it's really about um, waking up every day and leaning in, to use like Sheryl Sandberg's phrase, which is, it is so, it's such a fact though. You have to wake up every day and be consciously leaning into your day. Um, and, and obviously that's a, a, an issue in a small company where you just don't have time because you're so busy. And talking about being more conscious, for example, do you think um, that also leans into your skills in a smaller company? So being more aware of your skill set or broadening your skill set per se? Yeah, that's such a great question, Rebecca, because um, in a smaller company, you end up wearing many hats Mm. and doing many things. And you also have to be aware of so many things at the same time because it's so fast paced as well. And as I said, there's limited resources. Um, so it definitely is about broadening your technical skill set for sure. Yeah. And that's something that 
I think I didn't realize in the first few months of being there. Um, but that doing that actually provides you with leadership opportunities because when you have the information, you are the one that the senior leader team or the board of directors will go to to ask the question. Um, and that's where you can actually work to display your leadership skills. So it's it's a very important it's very important and it's very important not to lose those skills that are all about like the human skills, the soft skills, you know, as we say, how do you, how do you display leadership? How do you present properly? How do you implement change across an organization? How do you implement governance? Um, you have to be very conscious about not losing those leadership skills when you're in, you know, just so busy working. <laughs> Of course, of course. <laughs> so busy working, like, like a final part. Um, so um, what is a challenge you've had in the workplace that you feel is unique for a woman? Yeah, um, I think regardless of the fact that obviously we're all of equal capability, I think women face specific challenges in the workplace that are similar. And one of the ones that I've been working on is cultivating a powerful presence and having greater influence, so great, greater executive presence, uh, especially in a male-dominated environment. Um, that's a big one when you're a senior woman leader. So how how did so I was thinking about like how do I crack into this male-dominated leadership team who basically they all know each other and they've been working together for years and I show up as the new kid on the block and I'm a woman and I'm the most senior woman in the organization. So how do I get myself known and how do I ensure my perspective is being heard and valued? And I think there's a lot there about um, gaining the confidence to speak up more, but it's not only speaking up more, it's about speaking on topic. And so I think sometimes, you know, you can be sitting in a meeting and you suddenly start thinking, oh, I need to say something on this topic or I haven't spoken for like 20 minutes and I'm the only one who hasn't spoken. I need to say something. And that's that's actually the voice in your head, like the inner critic. Mm. That is not useful. It's not useful to you. If you start listening to that inner voice that's telling you, you have to say something, you have to do this, you have to do that, you've actually lost touch with the conversation going on in the room and you end up not being able to provide anything of value to the conversation. So I think for me, I've been practicing silencing that voice when I'm in the leadership meetings and just being very present, being focused on the conversation. And I think that's something that I have to practice every single time I'm in, I'm there, but I don't feel bad that I have to practice it because good leaders need to practice every day. So that's something that you know, I think you have to be very self-aware and, and deliberately choose that mindset that's going to be most productive to you. Definitely need to practice uh, silencing that um, inner voice in different scenarios, not just in the workplace though. I, dec I, 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 my personal um, experience is that it happens in social environments too, that there is that inner critic, there is that inner voice behind you thinking constantly in the background and actually having that strength to quiet it down, push it away is actually really strong. Um, not well, it's really strong. It's really kind of forthcoming um, and something that I'm going to definitely take away from this conversation. 
great. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what the great thing about it is? It's not a strength. All you have to do is practice it and then anyone can do it. That's what I learned. And just learning that has made it seem so much more accomplishable to me, if that's a word. Yeah, of course. Cool. I guess in, in line with, with some of that, we've we've spoken actually before recording this podcast quite a lot around um, perfectionism and how it can, um, I guess, impact women in, in work, particularly in, in leadership, but actually across the, the workplace as a whole. And I think you were touching on some of the points there, actually. Um, could you just expand on that? A little bit further for um, for our listeners, and, and how you think that, that kind of impacts women on a on a day to day. Yeah, I, I think that women are more likely to fall prey to this idea of perfection, of being perfect, and I I've actually seen it happen in so many uh, female senior leaders now, and um, when I've asked people about it, because I'm very Uh, curious about it the answer has always been I feel this burden of responsibility to represent whether it's my gender my ethnicity or any other group that I'm identifying with and I think that that burden of responsibility is too heavy sometimes and it can end up self-sabotaging you so the thing that I always say and I use this phrase almost every day in my job is don't let perfection get in the way of good Mm. and um, it's better to be consistently good you will achieve more being a consistently good than you will showing up perfect one day or one day a week Um, so you you really have to have a degree of thick skin I think and you have to learn how to let go like you were saying Rebecca just now even in social Mm. situations something happens and you just just move move past it Mm. that moment occurred you know move past it and if you need to gain feedback from that think about it later in terms of what positives can I take in terms of feedback going forward but then just leave it and move on and I think successful leaders they've learned to do that and it's again a matter of practice yeah I think you're 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 so right and and as you say it's it's so much more productive to to find that consistent level of of good performance as you say rather than fixating on um, on perfection. Something that I guess really stands out to me in, in kind of every conversation that we've had um, from the very first time I met you and, and all the way through, you're always um, clearly really passionate about the industry, about um, your job and, and what you do and, and influencing that kind of next generation. But you touched on a few bits there. Actually, at times, you've got quite a, a burden on you and, and it can be actually quite a lot to, to, to bear. How do you remain so positive and, and so energized um, in, in what you're trying to achieve. Thank you for the compliment, first of all. Um, I honestly think I, um, I don't discriminate against myself and I don't self-eliminate. So there's this guy called Adam Karpiak, who's like an HR guru, and he posted something the other day, which I love, where he said, you can't get the job if you don't apply to it don't self-eliminate and I thought that is that's just the best description of what we do to ourselves um so I don't self-eliminate myself I see myself as an individual who's trying to be my best and it's me against me and not against anyone else so I don't compare myself to other people on LinkedIn or my peers you know it's my own path um 
And then the other thing that has really helped is, and I would advise, you know, anyone joining the pharmaceutical industry or regulatory affairs, and this is the advice I give people who, you know, come to me for mentorship, is figure out what your values are and your strengths. And then once you can identify a position where which uses your strengths and is aligned with your values, that job actually becomes a source of energy and not a drain. So I am literally energized every single day because of my job. It's a source of energy to me. I think that's where you're getting it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it definitely shines through. Um, it definitely shines through. Yeah, really does. And so you've just kind of touched on advice that you would give others. Um, now we're kind of looking at what advice could we give to grow future female leaders across the industry? Um, how can we amplify the female voice in the workplace? Um, obviously, there have been changes in place recently or in the past few years, but what more can we do to um, assist future female leaders? Yeah, it's a great question and something I'm obviously very supportive of. Um, I think I'm really happy to see organizations taking on the DEI, diversity and inclusion, um, you know, initiatives. Uh, I think that um, we need to be very conscious as managers. We need to be very conscious about inclusion. And um, for example, whenever I personally hire a female employee, I always check the pay range because I'm very passionate about this gender pay disparity that still exists across a lot of industries. Um, as a manager, we can, you know, what you can do day to day is support maternity leave, support childcare, ensure inclusion in that way also. So if I have a um, someone on my team who's who's has a child, I'm not going to arrange for an important team meeting to be at the time she has to do child pickup. Like I'm very conscious about doing those kind of things. Um, but I'm also a very huge fan of women's networks in companies. Um, I was at, you know, as I said, Big Pharma before where we had women's networks and they were extremely useful to me. Um, so I'm really proud of the fact that I've co-founded the first women's network at Opian. And that's all about empowerment, building skills, building confidence, but also networking. So networking with other women outside of your function, um, finding mentors, that's also hugely important. Um, I've seen the mentorship program work very well within organizations, but even if your organization doesn't have a mentorship program, you can actually go out and meet someone and ask them to be your mentor, you know. Uh, one of my team members just uh, gave us an example in our last week's Women's Network meeting that she she has found a woman leader in another industry and she's asked her to be her mentor, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I um, I completely agree. And I think what's pleasing, I mean, there's obviously so much more that needs to, to be done and, and um, I think that's clear. But I think what's pleasing is the fact that it is at least becoming a more common conversation, I guess, um, in, in all industries, um, which is which is certainly important. Um, is there anything else that you've observed that you think organisations or companies can do um, either to attract people in, in the first instance or um, to, to make sure that we can um, we can improve that 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 inclusivity? 
Yeah, it's it's really, I, honestly, I think inclusion is a really difficult conversation because I think we all think that we're inclusive and we're all not. I mean, you have to be so conscious about it. Um, so I think the first thing to be is to be very self-aware. And I think organizations need to emphasize that inclusivity has to be conscious and that every leader needs to display it you know, inclusive leadership. Um, and so they can bring in things like unconscious bias trainings, which I, I, I've been through a couple of them and they are so interesting. It's so interesting to reflect on the fact that each of us has unconscious biases, but also we have all um, been exposed to a bias against us as well. That's a really interesting exercise to do. Um, you know, organizations can... Uh, um, focus on, uh, like I said before, the pay inequalities or hiring or promotion efforts, um, launching these affinity groups. It's 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 a tough one. I'd love to hear other speakers uh, talk about this too. So hopefully we can talk about this more at another stage. Yeah, I definitely think um, it will be a poignant point within our webinar. Um, with, without a doubt, I think it's one for us to to get to, together as a group and, and definitely share ideas on for, for sure. Okay, well, we're on to our last final questions. So last one from me. Um, what advice would you give for females looking to take their career to the next step in the industry or for those looking to get into the industry? You've obviously picked up on a little bit of advice in your other answers, but is there anything more that you'd like to add? Yeah, um... I would just say this is it will really help you in the future if you figure out where you want to be, um, you know, and be very intentional about your your intention, your vision and your efforts. And if see it as more of a holistic life thing rather than just a job, if you put yourself in a position which is going to strengthen you as a person, you will do well. So it's about being self-aware, identifying your strengths, identifying your values, making sure you join a company where which you agree with their values. You know, you can't, I mean, I won't go into anything controversial, but uh, it, I wouldn't join a company if I didn't believe in the company's values or if they weren't aligned with mine. I think it's the most important thing to do. And And then, as I said, don't discriminate against yourself. Just put yourself out there and have the confidence. Reach out to mentors. Reach out to people on LinkedIn who have similar roles that that you're thinking about and ask them for a conversation. I just had someone this morning ask me if we if I could take a look at his resume and provide him advice and I have a call with him next week. You know, leaders do that. So it's almost you take that action, you take that step, and you know what, you'll get the responses and you will get the results. But yeah. put yourself out there first and take the risks, as we've said, and actually good things will happen and come from and, them. Definitely. And advocate for yourself yeah. because no one yeah. else is going to do it for you. Sure. I love that. Um, and uh, I certainly couldn't agree more. Um, last one for me, a bit more of uh, a bit more one for a bit of fun. Um, what do you like to do away from work, Tanya? What are your hobbies and, uh, and interests? Um, so I have joined, a, I have a group of women and we do dance classes together and we have been doing this for years all through the pandemic. We really have given each other 
sort of a support network. I probably talked about this on my last podcast too, <laughs> but um, it's just been fantastic. It's it's literally my distraction from work and it gives me energy to carry on. And then the other thing I really, really want to do, Rebecca, is I want to join your netball league. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I missed that I didn't oh we're it. looking for players please join amazing. us <laughs> uh, next time I'm in London I, I want to come for it as a guest player oh brilliant I will let the team know that's good news um well thank you so much for joining us Tanya today um it's been really great to listen to your story and great to re-engage with you again on our explore, explore talks journey Thank you so much for this great conversation. Really enjoyed uh, speaking to you again, Tanya. Thank you. Um, we will, of course, share Tanya's LinkedIn details. Um, so please do reach out and connect with her. And we are on the lookout for more guests to feature in our podcast series. So if you're interested in sharing your life sciences personal journey with the Women Who Lead team, please reach out and let us know. Before we go, I've got something else to announce. Did have a bit of a spoiler earlier on in the show. Um, we are hosting our first live webinar later this month, um, Explore Talks webinar, Women Who Lead Post-COVID, looking at how the landscape has evolved for women in life sciences post-pandemic. I know, I was about to jump in and say spoiler alert, when you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yes, very excited about that. Um, and it's going to be an absolutely brilliant webinar. So we hope that you can join in and um, join the meeting with us and hear from the panel. And Tanya will, of course, be one of our panellists as well. Thanks for listening, everyone. And please do tune in to our next episode very soon. You've been listening to Women Who Lead Post-COVID, part of Explore Talks. Mm -hmm.